All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Raising Confident Athletes in the Digital Age. I'm Katherine Wiggersham, back with Jeff Levin. Um, we have two very special guests here. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Uh, my name is Joanne Frazier. I am a parent of um, a player on the 06 girls team. Um, I have two daughters who are also a few years older than she is. Um, and I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm Emma, I'm a junior and I play on Southwest Wanderers U19 soccer team. Awesome, well, thank you both for being here today. We're gonna talk a bit about social media, especially in light of the Facebook files that came out. Um, for those who don't know, I'm going to read a quote particularly about what we're looking at. So, um, Facebook apparently knew that the platform was quote unquote toxic place for many youngsters. And according to slides reported by the Wall Street Journal, 32% of teenage girls surveyed said that they felt bad about their bodies and Instagram made them feel worse. So this isn't only going to be a body image episode, but it's going to be a lot about the negative effects on social media and then how we can kind of handle that as we are relatively the first generation, Emma and I, who are being brought up with social media. Um, so I think we can get into a lot of things. I think there's a lot to be said, maybe start off with comparison. Um, and there's a lot beyond just the comparison of body image, but there's also the comparison of like where different people are in life. So I'm a junior in college and I know a lot of people, like if someone chose to stay home instead, regardless of that's the best decision for them, you have this new, platform where you can see into someone else's life um, and compare where you're at to them. And people also tend to make their lives look a lot better than they are. And it can be really hard on people's mental health. So I don't know if you've had any experiences with that, Emma. Um, yeah, I think so. I think that especially with COVID, there was a lot of, you know, wanting to make the best decision for not only myself, but for my family and making sure that I stay safe and I do my part to keep other people safe. And especially influencers, um, a lot of them went vacationing places or they you know, didn't listen to mandates and obviously they had the negative effects, but it still, I think, had an impact on teens because you feel that fear of that you're missing out on an experience and you're missing out on like important things in life. And um, yeah, I think you definitely experience that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think there's a lot of fear of missing out. And I think with COVID and in general, it can be like a larger metaphor. You can be doing the right thing and it can still like really suck to see people out there partying and having a good time or look like they're having a good time. And I think that's what we see a lot of the time. I don't know if you've had any experiences with this as like a parent, Joanne, and watching your kids go through something like this, which is so probably odd to you considering you did not grow up the same way. Um, no, I did not for sure. Um, I remember dialing into the internet with a modem that you had to put your handset from the phone on and it would make all this like screeching noises and everything was text-based um, online. However, um, I have seen, I mean, my, my now almost 20 year old, she is a dancer. 
So she came up through a dance studio and that is all about body image and, um, you know, everything is on social media. And, you know, when you see pictures of half the dance troupe and you weren't invited or um, things like that, like I've, I've seen it from that side of things. I've also seen it from the side where my daughter might post pictures with the girl who's been her best friend since they're four and get the, well, why wasn't I invited? And, and that can be challenging too, because I think, you know, there are times you just want to be with your best friend. You don't want the whole crowd. And they're not really trying to be like, look what we did that you didn't do, but they're just trying to enjoy their time together. Um, and then they, they end up sort of taking flack for that as well. Um, so I've seen it, but I will also say as, an, as a middle-aged adult, um, there are couples or women or men, I mean, I guess it could be either, who do the very same thing on Facebook. All they post is their tropical vacation where they're enjoying drinks by the pool with their partner. And, you know, then there's people like me who don't get to go on those tropical vacations because I have other things taking up my time. And it's like, sure, I'd love to do that. But every other post is, you know, this week I'm at this car race, this week I'm in this beach, right? So I, I do think it affects like all age groups. Yeah, that is very true. Not just, not just, um, teens and, and young adults. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, we have an insight into people's lives that we've never had before. And I think it will be interesting to see as time goes along, what happens with Emma and I's generation being the first ones to have grown up with a digital footprint and all of that, mm -hmm. like various things. And I kind of, I do want to talk about this more as I've heard from multiple people. There's like this pressure almost I've heard from people that the reason they started drinking alcohol as a freshman in high school was because they saw people posing with their red solo cups on Instagram and wanted to be cool like them and that is how they started drinking at an incredibly young age and it's just sad like that would have that would have never happened before and then beyond that even if someone was underage drinking they weren't going to get caught before but I knew girls my freshman year of high school who got in trouble and suspended from sports because they got caught drinking. I know a girl who just got her college scholarship taken away. And it's like, these things follow us. So we do, and it sucks that we have to be so careful, but you have to be incredibly careful what you post and even what other people are posting and what you are around when people have their cell phones out. Um, I've seen it all. And it's, it's sad that it has to be like this. It is, but there's a level of awareness and like premature maturity that has to come along with being on social media and maybe we can bring it into this conversation of like when when should kids be on social media because there are good parts of it I mean I'm I'm a social media manager I like it but and all the all their friends are on it right it's an inclusion thing it's a social thing but like when is an appropriate time for a kid to get on social media do you guys think so um I used to work for a video game company um, for a MMO, 
if you don't know what that is, it's a massively multiplayer online world, right? So it's perpetual, it's constant, it's always on. And when you log in, it's, you know, whatever time it is in the game world. And we used to, uh, I was responsible for monitoring the chat um, in there, which yeah. I'm gonna tell you, anonymity does amazing things for people and it allows them to be really free with their, their words. Um, but there are limits, right? So they have a 13 year or had, I don't know if they still do, a 13 year age limit. And I think most social media at the moment has a 13 year age limit. The problem is people can falsify. But in a different year. Yeah, I've done yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Every, I, I th I'd be surprised if there's anybody under 13 who hasn't done it. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know if 13 is too young necessarily. I think a lot depends on the parents, right? So I didn't have a problem letting my girls get on social media as soon as they were 13 because I was on those same social media sites. I insisted that, you know, they were connected to me. And I, I, I know that there are ways around letting your parents see what you're posting. But for me, the trick is I'll share things with them and I'll say, this is why you need to be really careful. Um, but I think if a parent knows their kid, they should be able to talk with them about social media if their kid is ready for social media. Yeah, I think- And not every kid is ready at the same time. That's true. I think you bring up a good point about um, setting boundaries with it. My mom actually did the same thing. She's on Instagram and Snapchat and whatever. And another one I had was that the phone had to be out, like it couldn't be in my bedroom at night. Mm -hmm. It would have mm -hmm. to be left downstairs. And I think that's probably also a good idea. And I think you grow up having boundaries or hopefully having boundaries set. And now I don't know if you've had that same experience and it's not in the same way, but I have now had to like set my own boundaries with it, right? Because no one's going to watch my phone. So I'm like, most of my issue is like being on the phone too long. And then obviously- what I'm consuming on the phone is not, it's not horrible stuff, but it's not things that are going to ultimately like contribute to my growth as an individual. It's just mindless scrolling. So I've set like screen time limits and all that sort of stuff to kind of give myself that sort of boundary. Um, but Jeff, I don't know what, what are your thoughts are on getting social media and setting boundaries? Uh, I, I think the phone creates childhood interruptus. I think it's, it's not just social media. Social media is the main part of it, but I just think it's hard for young people to have any perspective on what I'm about to say. But when you grew up without, you were, you were completely untethered to a phone, you just have a completely granular, different experience than the kids I've been working with for the last 20 years have. And I think the phone is awful. I would, I would love to just get rid of it completely. Yeah, right. Uh, but that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But the effects of it, 
it provides so much convenience and it allows parents to say, well, I can keep track of my daughter. But the problems with it are manifold and they involve the development of imagination, independence, uh, resiliency, integrity. You know, I've talked to high school kids and I'll say to them once I get to know them, I'll say, I won't ask Emma because it's too embarrassing. But if I ask a high school kid, what percentage of the kids at X high school are into sexting? They look at me and like, I'm crazy. They go, well, what are you talking about? 80, we all do it. Just that one fact alone completely blows my mind. And that that's not talking about, you know, looking at the news and beheadings and school shootings on this phone. That's not talking about the fact you can never get away from your adolescent, the kooky adolescent world that you live in when you're 15. You never get away from it, ever. And everything you do, you're worried about it because some it's like having somebody watching you. So its effects are deeply profound and I think absolutely awful. There are reasons why the suicide rate is up 60% and reasons why Mark Zuckerberg, you know, lies about Instagram and doesn't want to deal with it because it gets kids addicted. It's really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, right. I, you have to be aware of what these apps know that they're doing to us. The fact that Facebook knows that it's harming girls' self-esteem, the fact that TikTok is designed to be addicting. But I do think part of it is it helps if you're aware. Um, do you think you oh, yeah. do you think you could touch on that um that story of the girls and the posting? Yeah, that was a team at 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 uh, Wanderers, a, a, a team of uh, I think they were 15-year-old girls. And and one of the girls said uh because I was trying to find out about social media and their relationships to their phones. And this young lady told the following story. She, they, she was a sophomore in high school. She said, the thing lately to do is to post bikini pictures of yourself on either, I suppose, Instagram probably or Snapchat. And if you didn't do it, obviously you're a loser. So you got to do it. So she said, well, we all did it. And my friend is a little overweight. And she put her picture of herself in a bikini with tons of comments. Well, you're fat. You're a fat F-U-C-K. Why would you post? Just really hostile. And that that's the other thing. It's just a grounds for people to be hostile. You know, I don't want to yeah. sound like the old, the old grown-up that says back in my day. But back in my day, if you had something nasty to say to someone, you'd have to have the courage to say it to his or her face. And then risk being punched in the face or told, you know. You can say anything you want on this thing. And Joanna, right. There's something to be said for um, hiding behind the screen and it definitely doesn't lead to good things, but. Yeah, no. I want to tag on to what Jeff said. It's not even just the unflattering pictures, but I am always under the impression that the flattering pictures are posted strictly, whether the poster realizes it or not, to get that positive feedback that they know they're gonna get because, oh, you're so cute, you're beautiful or whatever. And now not only is it, you know, it's like the total reversal of that unflattering picture. Now this message that's going out there is that this is the ideal, right? Yeah. This is the picture of what's cute and pretty and perfect. And now everybody has to try and live up to that. Right. So, I mean, online validation is yeah. a different game. 
Mm -hmm. And people, it, it's quite literally addicting. Um, when, when you live your life, when you live your life based upon external validation, it's a recipe for complete disaster. The, the, again, there's a reason why the, the youth risk behavioral numbers are, say that nationally, 46% of teenage girls in this country report that they don't feel good. That's almost half. There were reasons for that. And, and the phone is at the center of that entire um, phenomenon. And the fact that parents are giving their kids phones when they're 10, 11, 12, 13, you earlier said, I mean, my, my thought is give the, get a phone when you can afford one, if you really want one, when you're 17, 18, 20, if you, if you need it. That's my view. And I know they're pervasive and that's probably pie in the sky. But they yeah. just, they're not good for kids. They're not. And the message from the, the kid, the parent buys the phone, right? And then the kid is sexting on it, feeling miserable on it, or feeling great for five minutes on it because he got a few likes. There's no development of any internal structure, any internal self-esteem. And it, it's just awful. To me, it's, it, you got me in a mood. Where, <laughs> I, I just think it's absolutely awful. Yeah. If every, if every, let me last, and then I'll shut up. If you took like a 10 U soccer team in this club and you said, Hey, boys or girls, we're going to shut all the phones off of everybody on the team every night from six to from six until bedtime, they'll all go, Oh no. But what we're going to do instead is we're going to play, we're going to play catch with dad. We're going to play uh, board games. We're going to cook together. We're going to go out and look at clouds. We're going to, these kids would be, different kids i'm telling you i know this for a fact um jeff i know you hate the phone <laughs> um but i i am gonna put this out there the lack of pay phones anywhere makes it really hard for a parent to choose not to give their kid a phone um like I waited, I waited, waited, waited as long as I possibly could because I felt my kids should not have a smartphone at the very least until high school. So none of them had smartphones in middle school. Um, but you know, if I could, if I could get away with it, I would have waited longer. <laughs> um, and by get away with it, I mean, if my kids weren't like, okay, I'm in ninth grade now, can I get my phone? Um, and for me, I, I don't check up on where my kids are every minute of every day. Cause you know, nobody did that to me when I was 14, 15, right. I took off on my bike and, you know, I, I had to call my parents from every change of location. So I always had a pocket full of change, but, um, you know, there's a certain, um, sense of independence, I think, that comes from not having somebody constantly looking over your shoulder. Um, and I don't want to take that away from my kids. But at the same time, giving them a lifeline back to me should they need it was important to me, just in terms of why I chose to get my kids phone when I did. Yeah, I agree with that as well. The second I started walking home from school is when my parents got me my little flip phone or whatever, and they never tracked me. But if something happened, I had someone to call. 
So. Right. And it's, and it's not even about um, tracking or anything. I just, there was a situation where one of them came home from the, on the bus and I wasn't at the bus stop and they, there was no payphone anywhere for them to say, Hey, where are you? My car had broken down on the highway. Like, I, I mean, talk about comedy of errors and this is years ago, but um, I had no way for her to get a hold of me and no way for me to get a hold of her. And, you know, as soon as I realized, okay, now they're at an age where they're not always going to be in a building with a phone like school or somebody's house. Now I need to give them a way to get a hold of me. Yeah. And I don't want to ignore all of the, I know Jeff does, but I don't want to ignore all <laughs> the good parts of social media because I have grandparents. I have a grandpa that lives in Washington state and without, mm -hmm. without zoom or without a phone, I would never, I would have seen him two times in my whole life. So there's that right. sort of stuff um that definitely is beneficial and I even enjoyed social media for things like Bell's when I think social media can create community create extend friendships like with my home friends when I'm here or when I'm not here and with my college friends all of that sort of stuff there's great things that come out of it and there's a lot of that but Emma why don't you share some of your do you have any experiences with social media and the phone and then maybe like any issues you found and then maybe how you set boundaries to get over um those issues yeah I mean I got my phone when I was around I think probably 12 or 13 ish um I had started doing you know a lot I became involved with a whole bunch of things and it really was out of a necessity for my parents be able to, you know, contact me, like if, you know, my mom needed to call me and tell me something, or I was going to be picked up late or something, you need that way to connect with, you know, your kids when you may, like Joanne said, not have that phone there with them. And so when I first got my phone, I just mostly used it for, you know, texting like my mom or my parents or texting home, calling home if I needed something. And then as I got older, I got social media. And I think the whole idea, I think part of social media is you have to be able to have that transparency with your parent and your kid. And you need to be able to have those conversations about things like texting and who you're talking to and what you're communicating. And all of that starts with, you know, it comes back to social media and the appropriate age. And I have found that you know, since social media, quite honestly, I think that I do find myself thinking about body image a lot more and being unsure of myself. And I think a lot of that does come back to being too young or, you know, a lot of what you see on the internet and especially on Instagram is faked or photoshopped yeah. or edited. And I think that a lack of transparency about that and just it coming back to you know, society and culture as a whole, you have, you feel that pressure on you to be perfect and it's just amplified by social media. And I think it really becomes a cycle. Yeah, you bring up a really good point with the Photoshop and I'm so glad you brought that up because, and you even think about it and you're like, okay, the influencers are Photoshopping. And I proudly kind of can say that I've never touched a photo of mine. 
but it it never crossed my mind that kids my age were doing it so also in some way like my ignorance didn't help me because I didn't realize that the girls photos that I know like some of my best friends photos that I'm looking at are not like real like they are retouching it took me I noticed someone's photoshop error I think it was literally last year and I was like wait a minute it looks like she edited her arm and then ever since then I started looking and I'm looking at more and more and more and like because then another girl, I'm like, you don't look like that in real life. Like, what is going on? And so it's important to realize that people around you are doing it too. And just to be aware of it is like, a, it is a game changer because yeah, it, social media is unfortunately, it's designed to compare yourself. Hence why there's likes. I've turned, I've also, that's another thing I've done. I've turned off likes on Instagram. So I can't see like how many likes someone else got or even how many likes I got. Yeah. It's a game changer. Um, but yeah, I think that's really important to recognize. And obviously it's it's not those girls' fault for going and retouching their photos. It's sad that girls from young ages feel that they need to go do that. And I know now know that it's been a conversation and a thing I've been aware of that I've had I, there have been girls that have been doing it since they were 14. And maybe some of them stopped, maybe some of them didn't, but it's so sad that people felt like they had to do that. The constant focus on, on how you look and what awards you're winning have no relation to the stuff that matters when, when you're growing up. So I just made this little, this, uh, this thing here. I, I call that, they all begin with I, right? Yeah, do you want to so, read them out, Jeff, for the people listening? Oh, sure. So these are the six I's, right? The first five lead to the sixth one. The sixth one is identity. So when you have a solid identity, when you're 17, 19, 22, you know essentially who you are and people aren't gonna talk you out of that. You, you, you have a solid identity, you know who you are, you, you're okay, to, you're good to go in life because your identity is increasingly solid. To have that solid identity, you need to have an imagination, you need to be independent, you need to have intestinal fortitude, which is guts, you need to fall down, get up. You need to be on your own increasingly. You need to be able to picture who you want to be. You need to have integrity. You need to be honest with yourself. You, need, you don't touch up your photos because you, you need to eliminate a pimple. And you need to let people close to you, intimacy. So it's imagination, independence, intestinal fortitude, integrity, intimacy. Without a lot of that, you don't end up with a solid identity. And that's what we have in this country. We have a lot of kids, they're not solid. And, 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 and we, 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 we so desperately need to do something about it. Um, you know, and, and you know, my colleagues and I have this thing called the Reconnection Project, where we're trying to get this thing going in the schools where all the kids are. And it's all I think about professionally, I'm 65. So, um, I happen to be sitting in Newton, Mass, in my hometown outside of a kid's house that I'm going to see. But I want to give the kids that are growing up the same shot that Joanne and I had at having those six eyes and, and having fun and, and getting dirty and getting up again. I want to give kids the same shot, and they don't have it. Yeah, I think we can talk. We're going to wrap it up, but we can talk a little bit about how we can help kids have a better chance of that in a realistic sense. We're not gonna be able to make social media go away, but at some point under, 
I think it obviously starts with the parents like it all does and I think a lot of what we've talked about and what you've heard me and Emma be able to talk about is having that trust with your parents and also don't shield your kid from everything like your kid needs to understand what is a no-go on the internet um the whole issue with alcohol and partying is unbelievable but they need tell them that what they're seeing isn't real tell them what messages are acceptable to re be receiving and what is not and set those boundaries and build a strong foundation with your kids so they can learn to navigate social media and have the trust in you that if they run into an issue they know that they can come to you i will also yeah. i would also say in my opinion and i taught middle school for years in the 80s i've been around kids every day for 40 for 40 years the kid under the age of 16 even 17 who's able to handle that phone in a healthy way a few and far between so if parents are listening i maybe the the, the horses out of the barn door and all the things Catherine just said are imperative but keep an eye on your kid what what is he or she doing on this phone and don't let it in the bedroom the bedroom is time set, for set boundaries with your kids I think that's the biggest thing. And then teach your kids to be able to set those boundaries with themselves. Right. Look at their screen time. The average screen time in this country is like seven hours a day looking at this gizmo. Seven hours. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Boundaries need to be set. And it all starts from how you bring your kids up and how much screen time you allow them to have when they're a two-year-old and you're handing them a tablet. So just be aware set those boundaries and to like the teenage girls and guys out there be aware that what you're seeing in so many facets is not real like the photos are not real the people pretending that their experience is so incredible is not real i know girls who've gone to college and then post their amazing college nights and then they transfer from that college the next semester and you realize they hated everything and but they won't they won't show it well that's why integrity is on the list of of the six eyes that's Honesty right. is an important thing. You know, guts are important. Imagine, oh, that's all important, really important. And every parent knows it because we all grew up without these phones and without all this nonsense and all these distractions. It's easy to give your kid a phone and the kid's going to whine like crazy if he doesn't have one because all his friends probably do have one. And yeah. the other piece of advice, I would, I would, I would get together with my kid's friends, parents all the time and talk about this stuff and create little communities where those six eyes can really happen again. Like with the 10 year old example of the soccer, like shut the phones off. Yeah. Teach children. They don't need a phone. You don't need a phone. Right. And it, it, it helps to be able to say, Oh, well, your teammate Jessica's doing the same thing right now. A hundred percent or, or go down your kid's school and sit down with the principal and say, look, I want to have a parent meeting of all the third and fourth and fifth grade kids. But if you talk to teachers, they're going to say the phone's a nightmare. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you both for coming on. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, follow this podcast, write your reviews, all the things. And thank you guys for having this conversation. Thank you. Bye. Bye.